Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Oster Tiger here, and we have a special live edition to you with subscribers of BuffStampede.com joining us on Zoom this evening for the taping of the podcast. I'm joined by Jimmy Searfoss and William Gardner, who are going to share their thoughts on the beginning of the Coach Prime era in Boulder. And then we're going to make this a pretty heavy fan participation show. So if you're a BuffStampede.com subscriber, make sure you get your hand up. We're going to call to you after we get through some of these intros. First off, Jimmy, let's start with you. You were there on Sunday with me at Coach Prime's introductory press conference. Uh, that was quite the experience. So what was your main takeaway from that? Uh, first, I wanted to thank you for getting me in there. I was not wanting to miss that for anything. But, wow, I mean, what hasn't already been said? Or it's He's you know, fantastic on the microphone. He knows how to talk. He really worked that room and he really figured out how to get everyone really bought into that. I mean, he had his name attached to it. So people are already bought in a little bit, but oh man, the way he worked that room, he had people cheering everywhere. His entrance alone was insane. I got there like an hour before the press conference started and it was already more buzz around that room, that touchdown club than I've seen for any event. And like you had tweeted out, Jimmy, it it was kind of a who's who of media, even though the Broncos were playing on Sunday Uh, for a young journalist. uh, What was that like for you personally? A lot of handshakes. I went and made sure I introduced myself to everyone there, made sure I was very familiar. I was I talked to a few people beforehand, but I got to see some people for the first time in person, like like Vic Lombardi. I talked to for the first time in person. He's a really great guy to talk to. It was it was fun. It was a really fun time. It was kind of seeing, you know, like this is what relevancy looks like. This is what national attention looks like. Hopefully that's what everything seems to look like. And it's going to be fun to be a journalist here soon at the University of Colorado, especially just with him. He's a quote machine. He had so many phrases. We're going to come back to you, Jimmy. William, I want to know at what point during the coaching search did you feel like this was really going to happen, that Coach Prime was going to lead the herd going forward? I think it was was somewhere in that week before uh, the Sunday announcement. I think it became pretty clear to me. Um, that this was going to happen and, uh, you know, that, that Buff wasn't going to derail it. Um, and then so, I don't remember exactly what something happened or somebody told me something that suggested to me that it was already a done deal, maybe around Thursday or Friday, um, that the contract had been signed as we apparently know now had happened. So uh, um, uh, there, there are certain things that people and coaches do, I think that uh, are sort of, tells like they say in poker and and it just it just appeared to me sort of about Thursday or Friday that this was going to happen. William, how many people on the planet could have gotten this job and drawn the type of excitement that Deion Sanders brought with him into that press conference on Sunday? Uh maybe two others maybe like uh you know but they'd be they'd have to be like Saban or um uh, now I'm blanking. What's his face from Clemson, or uh, you know, uh, Harbaugh? Yeah, Dabble Sweeney or or Harbaugh or something like. That. I mean, it would have to have been something so far out of left field and so crazy that everything stops right and goes. My God, they they hired uh, Nick Saban. Um, short of that, I can't see anybody else coming anywhere close. Jimmy, you're working on a story, just a, a fan reaction piece. 
I wanted to get kind of your thoughts. I know you ran into a, a Ralphie handler. What's kind of the buzz around campus these days? Yeah, I went and talked to a bunch of students on campus, just pulled them off the side while they were walking. It was like a Monday morning, though, so maybe the answers weren't as exciting as <laughs> as everyone, yeah, as it as it came off as. But I did run into a Ralphie handler. He told me that he was going to stay a fifth year just to run with Ralphie at these games. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of tuition, but yeah, I, that's the kind of excitement that's going around on campus. What what are realistic expectations for year one of the Coach Prime era? Jimmy, we'll start with you. Um, I expect a bit of a learning curve uh, coming up to, you know, the Pac-12, big uh, Power 5 conference. Six wins is probably going to be what I'm looking at, five, six wins. Um, that's what I'm expecting. Obviously, he's expecting a lot more. That's what I'd like to see, just some progress being made. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, William, I got to think that they, they, they've got to win more than, than than five games next year, right? Well, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just jump in right now and say, look, you know, this is not the time to be have realistic expectations. You just throw that crap in the trash because we're we're over the moon right now. So you know, we're gonna talk about crazy stuff and going to bowl games, kinds of things like that. But I, I don't think it's gonna be as much of a um, transition as people think. Um, First of all, because it, they're, they're they're in place before New Year's Day. So they're going to have a lot of time to get their, their system in place, get winter conditioning going, and they're going to have a lot done before they get to spring ball. Um, you know, they're going to bring in a lot of new guys, but that's the way college football works now. You know, so a lot of teams brought in a, new, a lot of new guys last year and, and, you know, good coaching staffs work guys in and find ways to make it work. This I watched Jackson State play last week, and that's a well-coached team. And, um, you know, on every cylinder, you know, the, everything is just smooth and perfect and, and right in place. And that's the kind of people he's bringing in here. And I just really think that people on the board are going to be really, really surprised at how different good coaching looks. And, and, and you'll see it. You'll see it with your eyes. And so – I don't think there's any reason to put any limits on anything. I think he's going to bring in some guys, some dudes, some dogs, like nothing we have seen in a long time in Boulder. And some of those guys are going to make a huge difference on this team. Um, so what's realistic to me? I don't know. I don't want to go there yet. Anything's realistic tonight. I took quite a bit of flack and I think we all did because we all picked Colorado to beat TCU in the season opener this past fall, this fall, it kind of looks silly. Look back on it now. But part of my reasoning for that was, okay, you've got a new head coach, new coordinators. I I know uh, the the quarterback was back, but he, you know, the quarterback that's a Heisman, you know, trophy contender wasn't starting that football game. So I thought with all those new pieces that that was a reason why, I didn't think TCU was going to be as good as they ended up being. William, is that kind of an example of in this new portal era? You can, if you if you have the talent, that talent can mesh together pretty quickly. Well, I don't even know if it, I don't even know if it if it has to do with the portal itself. Really, good coaches bring together teams, you know, and and sometimes it's sometimes it's not even organic. It happens, you know, and you get the group of guys there and they fit together and you get the right offense. And, and I think one thing that jumped at me on Saturday from the, uh, like the introduction to the players was 
these coaches love each other, and that's a big deal. Um, you know, they're not going to be fighting over stuff. They just went 12-0 and 0 with a team. They know what they're going to do and what they want to do, and they're going to work well together. And they've got a long time before that first game to get it all in place with the players. And, um, you know, it's it's always one of those sort of nuggets of wisdom that, that the transition year for a new coach is not as good, but that doesn't necessarily have to be true, especially with the way things are today. And the other thing that's going to blow our minds is to see a competent quarterback on the field wearing our uniform. Yeah, th- that was a topic I was going to bring up, William, is that there's so much excitement right now and so much buzz building. And th- there's no question that Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, is going to bring a lot of talent to Boulder. The one position where it's going to be challenging is going to be quarterback behind Shador Sanders. How do you get a quality backup quarterback? Because you can't go into next season with JT Shrout as your backup or Maddox Cop as your backup or Drew Carter as your backup. So uh, it's going to be challenging, but to me, Already, that's kind of a, a concern is, can they pull that off? Can they convince somebody from the portal to come in and, and be that second guy in that quarterback room? Well, I, th- I think the other thing that comes to my mind, though, is um, I know everybody was just throwing the towel on those three guys, but um, maybe with better coaching, they get better results. I don't know. What, what you need is an emergency guy to fill in, hopefully, and not fill in the rest of the season. Um I, I think I think you know maybe you try to get as talented a guy you can to come in as a freshman or a redshirt freshman so that there's a couple of years separated between them and Shador. Um, uh, but I wouldn't put it past anything past Coach Prime to be able to convince somebody to come and do this because uh, that's what he does is convince people to do things. Yeah, you said you watched the SWAC championship game. I know it was against an FCS defense, but Shador was doing some things that we haven't seen a quarterback do in Boulder in a long time. It, yeah. He, obviously, you see flashes of his father, obviously different position, but when he gets out in the open field, can't you see a little bit of that, that pizzazz that we saw from Deion Sanders and from his playing days? Well, you know, I mean, I watch quarterbacks from an offensive line coach's perspective, right? So, I want a quarterback doesn't make my guys look stupid, even making themselves look stupid. And so there was one play in particular uh, where um, the left end, the right tackle got, got, got really good penetration. And so I was taught is run them upfield. And our guys would always panic and bail out of there. Shadur took one step forward, eye on field, let the guy do his damn job. And then found a guy 30, 40 yards down the field. And I was like that one step forward, meant more to me than all the 10, 15, 20 yard run, because this guy knows how to use a pocket and he knows how to uh, use his blockers and, and, and make them happen. And then that said, you know, when, when he gets loose, in the open field, um, he's not like a typical quarterback, you know, that you think was a big statue that this guy can run. And so it's, it's exciting in a wide variety of ways, but what stood out to me though, is he's got an arm and he can put the ball. Where he wants it. There's a lot of new subscribers on buffstampede.com. It's pretty exciting right now. Share some of your history, William. Uh, you've been around for a long time in terms of uh, your walk-on in the program. Share just your history for folks out there. 
Yeah, it's, it's well, you know, uh, let's see, I, I, I think I walked on with um, Wizard White, uh, maybe not quite that old, but uh, I came <laughs> I came to see you in 1983 um, as a walk-on. You know, uh, I, I, I like to say I had good speed for a 320-pounder, but uh, I was only 230 pounds. So, uh, you know, <laughs> even back then in the old days, there wasn't a lot of call for that kind of, of well, I'm not going to say for that kind of speed because there wasn't any speed, but um, uh, you could time me with a sundial. So anyway, I was around at that point as a walk on for a while and then just sort of part of the program, you know, in various capacities after I uh, stopped playing um, all the way through January 1st of 1990, that first men's bowl. And the last thing I did with the team was travel with the team to the Orange Bowl was on the sidelines and that whole thing, which was which was was really unbelievable to us because we were coming from a similar situation when coach Matt came in and we were really bad. And then all of a sudden we're number one in the country playing in the orange bowl. Um, and then after that, I, you know, I did some coaching. I coached at a, a variety of high schools around Colorado, um, coached at a high school in San Diego, um, coached at a, at a big high school in North Carolina. And I got to tell you, North Carolina football is a whole other thing than, than Colorado football. And then, um, did some, I was at, uh, Catholic university, which was division three at the time. And, um, coached there for three seasons and went 10 no all, all three of those. And then, uh, spent a year at, uh, uh, wake forest when Jim Grove was brand new there working with their defensive line coach. Um, and, uh, I think that's, about, oh, and then I, one of the things I used to do was I would work the Michigan football camp every year when they would have like a two week camp and the kids live there and, which was really kind of like a big, uh, all the coaches would come there from, that they brought around from the country. And it's like a coach's clinic at night when the kids all went to bed. And so that was another really fan, fantastic experience. It was a lot of fun to work that Michigan camp. And you'd be so like, you know, uh, Alan Branch, I worked with one year and um, the big offensive tackle who was a first round draft pick. can't remember his name now, but um, it was, it was a lot of fun to uh, Jake Long. Uh, it was a lot of fun to work with that caliber of guy and to really get an understanding of, of how different they were from your regular high school football player. And how long have and we been I, working together now? About, about a decade at least. Yeah, I was just saying to somebody on the board today, the very first thing we did was we went out and so we saw Thurston at uh, uh, Arvada West that day. Um, That's right. Paul Thurston. Yeah. I think. yeah, 2011. How many times have you wanted to quit contributing to buffstampede.com in that time? <laughs> well, without, without, without mentioning names, there were some people that were a little bit of a challenge uh, over all that time. But uh, I, I think, you know, that it, I didn't really, really want to feel like I just almost needed to walk away until this last season and a half, you know, and, um, after the Minnesota game last year, not this season, um, it just felt to me like at that point, what's the point? We're never going to get better. And this guy's going to be the coach here forever. And, and you know, you know, the wife said, this is not good for you. It, 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 it doesn't feel good. It's not fun. And I, and I, and I'll qualify that a little bit by saying that Kathy's first year, uh, as a, as a full-time buff fan was 2016. And she thought that's how it was. <laughs> so, uh, you know, coming coming this this past season, you know, after that first first game, it was just like, wow, 
you could see what was going to happen the rest of the way out. We didn't really understand, I think, obviously, at that point, how good TCU was, but it was pretty clear how bad we were. So I think there were plenty of times in the last two years when I just sort of felt like, you know, I don't have anything positive to say, and I don't just come on here and be Mr. Negativity. Are you all back in now, or are you fully energized going into 2023? (laughs) Yeah, I think I think I'm, you know, kind of that giddy sort of feeling. It, it, it's it's a nice feeling to remember what it was like back in the late '80s when when we had guys like this coming in all the time, and um, you know, you you'd see guys in practice who who could have gone and played anywhere, and here they were, and it's just and and I I, I it, the the excitement from that time is just back immediately that anything could happen. Now, Jimmy, you're a junior at CU, and uh, you're you're a go-getter. I've been impressed with your work ethic. I've had a lot of interns work for me over the years, and, and hopefully we can kind of transition you from an intern to a little bit more of a role on the site going forward. What, what's this whole experience been like for you? Uh, you're from Texas. Kind of share your background for everybody. Yeah, I'm a junior here at the University of Colorado, journalism major, sports media minor. This is what I want to do. Uh, I grew up watching the Buffs, so I probably remember probably first memories back in like 2013 watching the Buffs. It's just when I started, you know, getting awakened wow. in my sports world. And I, yeah, I had never seen a good Buffalo team until 2016. Um, <laughs> Alex in the chat. Yeah. Uh, I, I make people feel pretty old in the press box there. I, I think, in a while. I think Jimmy's got some hair envy going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, I remember that 2016 season and I was like, really, that's, this is exciting. This is exciting to see. I, we actually went down to that bowl game being from Texas. We went and saw, you know, them get destroyed in the bowl game. It was a lot of fun though. We still had a good time, but then I came up here, got in a few journalism schools, a few big ones, but I wanted to be in Boulder. Both my parents went here. So we, it was always a big thing. I grew up with a Ralphie stuffed animal in my hand. So (laughs) this has always meant a lot for me. And then, uh, yeah, freshman year, I didn't really do much. That was a COVID year. They kind of locked us in. It really was not was not fun. <laughs> I was watching games on the TV that were just down the street from me. So that was, that kind of sucked. But sophomore year, I figured, you know, time to get busy. So I just hit up Adam uh, over uh, Twitter, really, just about this time of last year. I hit him up, you know, just, hey, hey, do you have any spots? People always ask me, like, you know, Jimmy, where are these internship spots? Like, just go ask. <laughs> go ask on Twitter. You'll find a spot. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm meeting a lot of people. And I cannot wait for this. This is going to be it's going to be a heck of a season to watch. I was getting worried that I would not have uh, any <laughs> football experiences outside of beating, you know, Cal and storming the field for Cal. <laughs> is yeah. it safe to say then that Coach Prime has saved your college experience, Jimmy? Coach Prime just might have saved not only my college experience, but as like my career. <laughs> you know, the amount of attention that Colorado football is getting, you know, I'm my Twitter is blown up. I've probably gained over 100 followers in the last day. I mean, I've seen it on uh buffstampede.com it's just you see the amount of views that are you know getting noticed and things like that it's jumping by the thousands tens of thousands in some cases yeah it's nuts it's it's crazy it's it's not like anything i've ever seen just this overnight sort of turnaround adam adam i forgot about i I just remembered um how we got connected back then because i was training players um that were going to go play college and i was working with shane callahan and i don't know that somehow that got us connected um and then uh, Matt McChesney opened his gym, and that's where that business went out, out the window, because everybody went there. 
Yeah, yeah. He's kind of got the, the monopoly on, on linemen yeah. in this state. And it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic goes going forward. You know, because I I think that if Coach Prime is recruiting the way you should, you really only want to take five to seven in-state kids. Seven right. would be a deep year. It, it, isn't it crazy? You know, a couple of months ago. Colorado couldn't get any of those guys. And now they're going to have to turn away guys that would have, you know, previous staffs in Colorado would have loved to, to right. have on board. Well, and you see, you, you see the, the, the seven guys that uh, decommitted already. And, and it's, and, and the difference between the level of people that we're going to be looking at and that we were looking at is, is entirely different now. Um, and, you know, so the, the level of quality that we're going to be bringing in in entire classes, you know, there's just not that many bases in Colorado, uh, you know, having coached in California and coached in Colorado and coached in North Carolina, the level of football here is a lot lower. And so you have less, you have less, just, I think and you have less coaching and fewer uh, top level athletes playing the position. It's odd to me that the one thing that we produce like nuts as uh, offensive linemen and sometimes <laughs> tight ends, but whenever the problem with the problem with taking offensive line Colorado is there's no big defense linemen or linebackers here for them to go against. So you don't really know what they're going to do until they get next level. Yeah. Jimmy, I got Jimmy, I, I to gotta circle back to something here. I, I'm just realizing you were born after the year 2000. Is this correct? 2002. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. People hate oh my that. God. <laughs> You know, my, I, I got, my, I got uh, shoes older than you. <laughs> my dad loves to tell me, both my parents love to tell me, like, hey, see, it was good when I was there. I don't know. It must be your problem. <laughs> I don't know. It uh it, it's it's been fun. I keep I sleep college game day would show or wake up in the morning, watch college game day, and they show clips, and I see Lee Corso wearing a Ralphie head, and I'm like, that that happened? He <laughs> they went to see you at some point. They were good enough to go to see you. Well, and, and there's been a couple of moments since that time, you know, like, like, honest to God, man, when we got that class in 2007 and we went to a bowl game and we had a close game with Alabama, I thought we were there, you know. Um, and so there have been points where we've been teased as CU fans and then let down badly. <laughs> <laughs> I would like I have- to add a little bit to the uh, discussion about, you know, just watching college football or uh, high school football in Texas. I will say there was a bit of a surprise for me coming up and I was looking at a few recruits here for CU that just the level difference, you know, I went to a very good high school program down in Texas, you know, Dallas, Frisco, Texas. I saw a lot of good football, a lot of players that are in the NFL right now. It was like Christian Gonzalez played right down the street from me at the colony, a few other guys. Uh, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, I'm seeing like three star guys that would just dominate up here. Got a little news yeah, on, I mean, I, my, my, on the podcast real quick. It looks like Isaiah Harge uh, is going to be able to, to stick with this 2023 class. So uh, we saw Victory Johnson last night, linebacker from San Diego, get the call from Coach Prime that they're going to honor his scholarship. It looks like Isaiah Harge is going to be on board as well. He's a, a pretty shifty guy there from St. Thomas Aquinas. What, what are your thoughts there, William, on him being part of this 2023 class? I think anybody that uh, the new coaching staff ha- has signed off on, I, I, I feel fine about. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'd love to sit down and talk to guys and figure out how to uh, balancing watching film with these recruits with, you know, getting ready for a bowl game and everything out there. But um, 
uh, I think any, I'm at, I'm at the point right now where I think where anybody they decide they want to keep, I'm good with. I mean, I think, I think victory Johnson, victory Johnson to me is a no brainer because he's Chad Brown. in, in my view, he's almost the same size. He's the inside linebacker who might play outside linebacker. Um, you know, and head offers from all over the place. So uh, it'd be in to see as they go through more of these guys to see what they will. All right. Well, I, I think I've got, uh, we probably have more questions out there than I have answers at this point, just because things are moving pretty quick. But Jimmy, let's let's open it up. Uh, do you have any questions in the Q&A or, you know, if you want to call on some folks that have their hand up? Yeah. Uh, just take this first question right now, Q&A, then we'll Ask someone in the with their hand up. It says, uh, Connor's asking, how are we feeling about the new recruit and the decommitments? Yeah, William, uh, this is right up your alley with Jordan Hall becoming the first new 2023 commit today. We're recording this. What day is this? Wednesday, right? I mean, Tuesday. I am Tuesday. Just, Tuesday. Goodness gracious. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm in a haze right now after covering this coaching search. Jordan Hall, 6'8", 320 pounds from Kip Columbus in Ohio switched his pledge. He was a, a Jackson State commit, now going to join the Buffaloes. Have you had a chance to watch his film, William? Yeah, just very brief. You know, I had, I, I found – so what I, what I watched originally was his junior year film, and quite frankly, watching that, I was like, hmm, that's not a Power 5 guy. But watched, you know, I, I saw the you with his – with his high school coach talked how much improvement he made and was able to find that senior year film, but he really had a minute to look at and, and the difference between those two, as the, as his coach said, were, was, um, night and day. Um, and, you know, just to see him play lower in that, in his senior year makes all the difference. And, and when I, you know, when I saw that photo of him with coach prime, I was like, wow, that's the leanest 330 pound human being I've ever seen in my life. And he's got another room for another 20 or 30 pounds on him. So um, I'm excited about him. I, I feel like his film is better at that point than than um, Lichtenhans was uh, at that at that time. Um, you know, I have a little concern about whether, whether this coaching staff will, you know, obviously they know what a power five skill uh, skill position player looks like do they understand that the difference between a power five offensive lineman and you know the the fbs uh, fcs offensive lineman is athleticism right and length um obviously this kid has length he looks like he's a pretty pretty good athlete you know somebody was saying he was playing a little point guard on the basketball team which uh, i wouldn't want to take a charge from that guy you'd be a spot on the wall um but I like everything I see about him. And I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I think, I don't know, it'd be perfectly fair and honest. I think if, if, if Darrell's staff had taken him, a lot of us would have been like, mm, I don't know, but you know, as I said to somebody on the board today, um, we are still in the honeymoon period and, and, and prime and his staff gets the benefit of the doubt until they prove they don't have it. And I think, I think there's also the the feeling that, there's going to be a lot of blue chippers coming on board that, you know, that that's you're, you're still going to have these three-star guys that are going to be part of these recruiting classes. Even right. the coach prime effect is not going to have you sign only yeah. four and five-star recruits. Right. So there's going to be some of those guys. Now, if the next five commits are three-star guys, then maybe that, that right. patience wears thin a little bit as far as that goes, but you, you, especially with offensive linemen, you're, you're going to find some of these types as part right. of these classes. Yeah. You know, if you, you look at Alabama's class, you look at Michigan's class, they've all got a, a few stars in there because you're not going to sign 
you know, an entire class of those guys. But, you know, what I was, I'm looking at um, this kid and I'm thinking, if, I, I don't know if they're going to keep Drew Perez or not, but if they do, man, holy cow, that's a couple of Redwoods out there. That's, that's, that's a couple of uh, Sasquatches at the tackles. You know, you, 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 they don't have to be able to move. You just got to run around them. So the decommitments, as of the recording of this, uh, Brady Nassar, C.J. Turner, Adrian Wilson, Cam Beiser, Carson Mott, A.J. Newberry, Tyrone McDuffie, and Tucker Ashcraft. I do expect there to be a, a few more on there from this 2023 class, guys that committed to the former coaching staff that, that get added to this list. C.J. Turner was a guy that was intriguing to me, uh, really good speed a little bit undersized as a linebacker. So I guess I'm not shocked that they went in a different direction there. AJ Newberry has been picking up new offers. Nebraska is after him as well. Those are the top two guys on that list that I thought the new staff would keep it. I mean, you're looking at the, you know, the amount of excitement that's been drummed up with coach prime coming to Boulder. And there's a lot of skill guys that, that want to punch their ticket to Boulder. You even have a former five-star running back at Alabama that that's politicking to try to get an offer here. So maybe I, I shouldn't be surprised that AJ Newberry wasn't kept on board, but uh, Jimmy, William, any of these guys that surprise you that, that have decommitted here in the last day or so? Not really. I mean, a little bit C.J. Turner because he run, which, you know, but like you said, he's a little bit undersized. You know, I was just thinking about, um, I don't know if they'll revisit anybody that, that was committed earlier, but but Neil Bertrand, the offensive tackle, he guy would have a shot at now, I think. Yep. I, I'm not super surprised about all the decommitments and things like that. I know he's going to want his own guys. It hasn't personally been handled the best. Honestly, from what I've heard, uh, I've heard that these guys were told that they would have their commitment honored and things like that. I get it. He's going pretty much scorched earth on everything here. Coaches, you know, recruits, everyone pretty much. We all saw the video from when he walked into the room, but it's just, I mean, it's a reality check. Uh, it's just the way things are. He's really not going to, he's really trying to flip, flip it around. Uh, Rick George talked about, he's just giving him full control for everything. And he's, he's, you know, taking advantage of that. It is a, a really let's, tough spot. Let's talk. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. What are we talking about, William? Oh. You're running the show here. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, I was just thinking. Jimmy mentioned when he walked in and, and and talking about talking to the team, and you know, I've seen all kinds of different reactions to it online and from various people. But to, to me, watching that. You know, it brought tears to my eyes because that's what those kids hear. And here's the reality is not everybody gets to do this, okay? And sometimes you get disappointments in life and that's the way it goes. I think people worry, you know, that you're going to burn bridges, whatever. But the reality is, like, if you're a high school coach, you're not going to stop a guy coming on your campus because you want us to come here and talk to next year's guys and what have you. But um, the only way to do this, you know, only way that I can say it is these guys can't play at the level we want to play. And we have to get guys who can play at the level we want to play. And it's unfortunate to them that there were coaches here before who don't understand what power five football is about and did give scholarships either to guys. And I don't know if they just don't evaluate guys well, or if that's what they could get, you know, um, now there's a coach in here who can and will go after anybody in the country and you, you, you can't give scholarships to guys that can't help you win. 
Yeah, we've seen a lot of coaches come in and they want to win the guys over. And uh, the the result the results have not followed, right? And had Colorado right. won eight or nine games this year, maybe you come in with a different approach. But the Buffs were one and eleven. They were clearly the worst Power Five program in the country, uh, one of the worst FBS programs in the country. And so, as a human human being, you want to say, "Man, love these guys up a little bit." They've been through a lot, but then. You know, you're asking Coach Prime to come in here and change the culture and win football games, and it's not going to happen by coddling these guys. And, and are you are you doing them favors by not telling them the truth? I think is the other side of it. And I have to wonder too. You know, I wonder if when he walked in the room and nobody really sat up and they were all ragbag, looking different, all kinds of wearing different stuff and slouching, and you know, hey. I wonder how much that played into what he had to say or if he had it all planned out in advance, because, um, you know, I think what he had to say is going to reach inside to a guy who's a warrior and wants to be what he wants, what Coach Prime is looking for. And he's going to respond to that. And I think that's going to fire up the guys that you want to keep around. Um, cause I was keeping an eye on, for example, you know, in the back, Tommy Brown and, and, uh, Jake Wiley and, and um, Frank Phillip were back there and they were all leaning forward and they were intent. And, and Jake Wiley kind of went, took his hat off, <laughs> took my hat off. <laughs> and he was the only one that did. And I thought, what the hell, man, the coach just said no hats. And, you know, so. Well, that, Coach Prime was wearing a hat when he said that though. Yeah. Yeah. Captain said that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, a new era in Colorado football there. There's no question about that. Uh, the other thing where your heart goes out is, is the way that some of these coaches found out that they no longer had a job at, at CU. It's tough hearing about that. I, I like so many of these guys on the 2022 staff, but you know, they are under contract for another year. Mike Sanford's under contract for two more years. Uh, it, it's more your heart goes out to the families and the fact that, you know, a lot of these guys are going to have to be on the move again. But from a financial standpoint, you know, th these guys are taken care of. They, they probably should have seen the writing on the wall, right? Once yeah. Coach Prime was announced that, hey, uh, I'm probably not going to be retained. But Darian Hagan, he's got nine lives. So he's he's out there recruiting <laughs> today. He should be. He earned that. Yeah, he, I mean, running back's been one of the only bright spots pretty much in the last 10 years. <laughs> so uh, as long as he's been here, he's pretty much the only productive part of the team. The, the running back rotation needs a little tweaking if he is indeed going to be the running backs coach. But uh, I have a feeling that Darren Hagan might actually move into an off-field role. We haven't gotten confirmation on that for sure. Um, that was, that's was that been my main complaint with the running backs is you, you're kind of nitpicking. But, you know, late in the season, Alex Fontenot, after Jordan Tyson went down, was the only bright spot really on this offense. And, you know, he, he has a, a really, really nice drive where he basically is – the only thing working for CU offensively, they score a touchdown, and then the next offensive possession, he's not out there. Some some of those running back rotations didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Also, uh, he has Rick George. Rick George's favorite. Rick George really likes Darian Hagan. I do know that. Everybody loves Darian Hagan. He, he's he's an <laughs> awesome guy. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, he, he's a, he's a guy that, that just you know he, he you know all the way back in in. in 88 and 89, Darren became our starting quarterback. He was a nice guy. Sal and Nessie before him was a nice guy. You know, and they're just, 
likable people and he and he's never gotten away from that and he's always been humble you know even though he was even when he was one of the top players in the country he's always been that kind of a guy so it's hard not to like Darian yeah here he was pretty good yeah you wouldn't know Mr. Uh, born in 2002 (laughs) but uh right Jimmy do we do do we have some more questions out there Jimmy yes we have plenty Uh, this one's gonna be uh there there was somebody somebody okay go ahead oh sorry here we go. Mer, 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 mer dad, sorry. You can unmute. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Um, quick, first of all, thank you for setting this up and Adam for all the content you provide. It's awesome. Um, curious if you guys have talked to any of the students, any of the players on the current roster, their reactions, if you've connected with any any of them. I've talked to a couple that have reached out and uh, there's mixed emotions. You know, there, there's a lot of guys on this team that are worried they're not going to have a spot come the spring semester and they love their time at, at CU. It goes back to what I was saying about the recruits getting cut loose and these assistant coaches finding out they no longer had a job. It, it's been pretty cutthroat, uh, but Coach Prime probably needed to come into Boulder with a sledgehammer, and that's what we're seeing. And it's unfortunate, again, from the human side of things. Uh, but the guys that are willing to stick through that and that have talent, they're going to still be here. You know, they're, we talked about on our last podcast, uh, William, I would probably up the number of guys that, that are going to need to transfer out of the program now after seeing that locker, the, yeah. the, the team meeting room speech. Um, I thought at that time you probably needed to cut bait with about 15 guys. Uh, that that number uh, is going up based on the interest that Colorado is getting from recruits right now. Um, but genuinely, there's still, I don't know, what would you say, William, 35, 40 guys that are, even if they're special teams contributors, guys that you'd want yeah, to have in this program going yeah, forward. Or, or, or guys, you know, you want to have a, you want to have a, a reputable scout team, you know, that's not just a bunch of nobodies. You gotta, you gotta have little bodies of, of people out there too. But um, I think one of the things, something one of you guys said um, struck me and, and it's, and it took me back to the year that I was at Wake Forest and Jim Grove was new head coach that year. And, and I was working with a defensive line coach, Rick Hartney and, one of the best players on the team was a starting defense tackle and he did some knuckleheaded thing and we're staring at the defensive line mean and coach McCartney looks at him and says, You guys don't get it. This is a brand new coach. He's looking to make an example out of somebody to send a message to this team. And who would be better than one of the starters and one of the best players on the team? He'll get rid of you in a minute if it'll make a a, a message to the rest of the team to show what kind of team he wants. Um, and I think that's what uh, uh, Coach had to do was come here, you know, and right off the bat say, this is going to be different than any you've ever been involved with. And if you don't want to be a part of it, that's OK. But because it's going to be and I'm not here to be your best. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite lines, was, you know, and he used it twice. I'm not here to I'm not here to kill. It. I'm not here to kill it, not kick it. In other words, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to having football teams and you'll leave part of that or you'll be gone. And if you saw the video that coach Prime's son put out on YouTube today, they put in an extra video from his meeting with the guys at Jackson state 
uh, before he hopped on that private charter flight. And there was a lot of love in that room from guys there at Jackson State that were uh, raising their hand and saying, Coach, uh, you did this for me, X, Y, Z, and I love you so much for it. So you've got to get through this initial phase because what it is is that he's Coach Prime is weeding guys out. And I think he's going to have to go yeah. over the top in that sense. Um, but, you know, there's going to be things that aren't going to be, uh, you know, necessarily on these videos that are going to be the, the kinder, gentler Coach Prime, I would imagine, uh, where he's going to love these guys up just to, just as much as maybe some of the, the hard coaching he's going to do as well. And, and, that, and, that's, and that's part of being a great coach is to, is to both, you know, and nothing stopped me from that initial thing was when he said, uh, some of you guys do belong. Some of you guys are in it. Some of you guys give everything you have out there and land next to some fool who give all of that and, and I'm get rid of him for you. And so I, that, that reaches out to, you know, they're even in, even in a team as bad as ours, there are guys who are doing everything they can. And, you know, I had a, my last year, North Carolina, like the kid who was six, seven, 300 and had offers from every school in the country. Um, and, uh, Ended up, he ended up, ended up going to Princeton, turned down Tennessee and Ohio State and, and Carolina and all these. And uh, he came out the next summer and stayed with for a week and helped me work with my kids out here. And and uh, one of the other coaches got a hard time that I was too hard on the players. And I asked Mike, am I too hard on these? He said, he said coach, if you didn't come out and yell at us, we thought they didn't like us anymore. And we knew that that's what we were trying to do to make us fit as we could possibly be. So, you know, when, when you, when you, when you love, they know that, you know, and part of that is to hold them to the, to the expectations that you know, they're capable of meeting. All right, Jimmy, we got any uh, other hands up questions out there? Yeah. Uh, we have another hands up, hands up question from Ross. We'll allow him to talk real quick. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, nobody's turning on the video for us <laughs> i don't think i have access to doing that i think that's above my pay grade but uh <laughs> so, uh first of all i just want to say uh thank you and and uh for the for this this is an awesome opportunity for us to be able to have this kind of open dialogue but um jimmy you're not you know i thought i was the young one i you know i was in college in 2016 and and for me being there in that special time and and being able to experience that was you know pretty incredible for me so the fact that you get to be here for Dion, you know, enjoy every moment of it. Um, but my I, less of a question, more of something that I wanted to kind of just um, tell Adam and, and say thank you. I know you've probably seen on the board. We've you know been trying to put together a little gift for for you guys for the holidays, and you guys are the best in the business. You and Brian, and and we appreciate the work you're doing. And we were able to raise uh, a little over fourteen hundred dollars for you guys to you know celebrate the holidays with with your families. And so I'll be in touch with the after on how to. How to kind of get that to you guys, but we just want to say thank you um, from from all Buff Nation and and from all of the Stampeders for the continued work you've done and um, are going to do in the future. So thank you, Ross. That that means so much. I, I really do appreciate that. Yeah, I I would love to take my kids out to a nice dinner. It's such a great idea. That you know, I've been around, but I haven't been very present. I haven't been a, a bad father, but you know, I definitely. I'm looking forward to uh, spending, you know, some more time with them once things calm down. I, I don't know when that's going to happen. It might not happen till till March, April, May. Who knows? Because uh, this Coach Prime era 
is uh, it's making my head spin with just all the news that's coming in. But uh, I really do appreciate that. I, I appreciate everybody that stuck through those seasons, William, for continuing to fight through that, that feeling that, you know, this isn't really fun, but uh, I'm loyal to Adam. I'm going to continue continue to contribute uh, just the, the support that, that we've had on the site over the years when, you know, frankly, everybody should have jumped ship at some point during this last 20 years. Cause it, it's been really difficult on everybody, but we made it through to the other side and Ross, uh, I really appreciate uh, you for organizing that and, and it really does mean so much. All right. So um, Rich Powers, this is a question that he entered in the Q&A. He said, Adam, basically all the recruiting work that you did is void. Uh, he said, that's good for CU, but just how busy are you going to be? Yeah, you know, I did that commit updates feature every week, <laughs> tracking these guys. And then, you know, a lot of folks read that and it's like, yeah, you've got to kind of flush that now, right? Because, uh, well, not completely. There are a few guys from that list, but it, it's crazy. I've never experienced anything like what we've experienced since Saturday night and in 20 years covering this program. It's just been incredible. Uh, recruiting, it's going to be fun though. It is It is one thing that's going to be challenging though, is when they're going after four and five-star guys, those guys are typically tough to get on the phone for interviews. So th that part of it's going to be a little bit challenging, but it, it's, it's a challenge that I'm really looking forward to. Our national team, if you've been uh, up on our front page or the message board in the last few days, is knocking it out of the park, really helping me because uh, uh, there's only so many hours in the day, only so much I can do. And, and that whole team of guys that we have nationally has really helped out a lot. So it really is going to be a, a crazy stretch and, and a fun ride. I would imagine in the last few years since this early signing period came along, the bulk of CU's recruiting class has been signed in December. I have a feeling that maybe half the class will get signed in December, but there's going to be a lot of intrigue leading up to that. February signing period. And only the the elite of the elite can typically wait until February. They kind of call their shots and start narrowing things down and do the you know television hat announcements with that February signing date. So we're going to have two exciting signing days now, whereas in recent years, pretty much it's all been focused on that December date. Kind of building off of that, Steve wants to know how much sleep y'all have got. <laughs> I haven't gotten a ton. I I've been crashing pretty hard though. The the five hours of sleep that I get is pretty much I I'm out. Uh, but uh, I don't think I'm going to get any sleep anytime soon. So uh, that, that's not really in the cards for me right now. Well, I know I've got finals too. So <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always taking doing a five hour sleep night. So. Max Buffalo seven. That's not that's not this Max Buff, is it? No, no, it's a no different no. Max Buff. All right, cool. Oh, he's going to be on here asking a question. I, yeah. So, I guess what I noticed that was interesting in the press conference was CU uh, press guy was going to shut down the Q and A, and Dion said, "Oh, I'm just getting started." And Rick George kind of flicked his hands up, and they let him go a couple more rounds. Do we think that that's going to kind of change the culture of, uh, especially for you, Adam, of uh, kind of of access, maybe for spring game, maybe just for interviews? 
So what I understand is they were on a pretty tight window. That's why uh, they were trying to limit it as much as they could. Um, I'm not quite sure what to expect going forward. You know, they're filming a documentary. This goes even beyond what Coach Prime's son is doing. Uh, I think this is going to be on Amazon Prime. Is that right, Jimmy? <laughs> Prime on Prime, that's what I've heard. Yeah, and so there were cameras that they were kind of stick them in, sticking them in in our faces during that press conference. <laughs> did, did you get that at all, Jimmy? Oh yeah, I did. I made sure to you know lean in when Brian was asking answering his question, so I could get on uh, <laughs> in the documentary when it comes out, and I could show whoever I'm with, like, hey, look at this guy. <laughs> but I know um, Dave Platty and uh, Curtis were all super. They wanted to keep a tight lid on everything. Uh, just to keep things organized because they knew it was going to be super crazy. Uh, that first press conference, I would expect something kind of similar, just not like a whole, you know, limited question stuff, but very organized. Cause it, I would expect cameras like that a lot more, just yeah. a lot more intensity. Yeah. But I, but, but I got to think that this is a, this is a different breed of cat and, and uh, a platy's not going to have to be, be control. Uh, don't control prime. You, you just hopefully guide him a little bit. He's going to do what he wants to do. Hey, Platt, he's not going to tell him what to do. And he has yeah, his they, own he has his own people that are going to do like the right. national media stuff. So uh, David Platt, he's actually going into semi-retirement. So he's not going to be handling that type of stuff going forward after the end of this month. Curtis Snyder, who, Jimmy, you've been around him. He's an awesome guy. He's going to step into the SID role. I'm, I'm super excited for him. He's been waiting for this opportunity for a long time. But I will say with these press conferences and media scrums going forward, you better think your question through because Coach Prime <laughs> – He's going to challenge you if he does not like that question. So uh, I yep. wouldn't say it's stressful necessarily, uh, but yeah, you, you better not ask a really dumb question. And, and frankly, we all do at times. So we're going to have to take an L from time to time. I have a feel feeling. I, I was wondering, like, let, just let me, a, I was up late at night wondering if I, you know, somehow I ended up getting called on for a question. What would I ask? I was probably thinking I was going to ask what he thought of the team. If he had any reaction, any uh, interactions with the team, I would have loved to hear what he had is in, in his uh, first impressions just based off what we saw. I mean, especially based off what we saw now, uh, just regarding what yeah, we I'd saw. Love, I'd love, and, I'd, and I'd love to know, he made reference when he was talking to the team about, you know, the list of guys that they told me are not soundable. I'd love to know more about that and what kind of film he got to see and who he talked to to get impressions of the players before that meeting, before he took the job. Because I have to figure, you know, he's the kind of guy that dots all of his I's and crosses all of his T's. I, I have to figure he knew what he was getting into in terms of what was on this roster and that he talked to some people and and watched some, some, of, some of those guys. But um I want to just touch on somebody put a question. Uh, CU Aviator had a question in in there that I thought was sort of relevant to this in the in the chat, and he he said, uh, um, with the way that uh, obviously that Coach Prime and his family was just blown away with all the facilities and his relationship to to Rick George, and you know the, our history of hiring um, African American coaches. Maybe he sticks around longer than people think. You know, I was thinking that same thing because when I watched that that video of him being shown the facilities, they were blown away. You know, it's like Mel Tucker comes here from Georgia. Well, okay, Georgia's top of the damn game, right? Um, Prime came here from Jackson State, and he's walking around. You could just see on their faces that they were in awe that they loved this place. And 
Um, I think this is a chance for him to, to really make a name for who he is and build something that's really his. So uh, I, I thought that was a great um, question from CU Aviator. I want to just touch on that real quick. Yeah, William, though, expectations are resentments waiting to happen. I think if you set your expectations that he's going to be around for two years, anything after that is gravy. Uh, I don't want to put myself well, in the thought of thinking that he's going to be around, be around for 10 years. But, you know, he's got to have, but, you know, if he has, I, I think, I, I don't know that anybody's going to do the Mel Tucker thing based one season here again, because I think if he's, if he's getting opportunities at places like Florida State or someplace like that, it's because he's really turned this thing around and he's won eight or nine games here, you know. Um, and, and if he puts us on that, then we're turned back around and then we have to keep it going after that. What he did already in changing the perception of this program and going to school again is the part that we need. Well, every Colorado fan out there, their second favorite team going forward needs to be Florida State. <laughs> because if Coach Prime yeah, is having success in Boulder and Florida State's going through a coaching change, and, and not to say that other Power Five opportunities wouldn't be intriguing to Coach Prime, but I think that's the one that that you'd worry the most about. Yeah. I know for I know CU is very snake bitten about what happened with Mel Tucker. And you gotta think that they're gonna be start looking to rework that contract for more money if they come if he starts having the success and things like that. I know they they want to keep him around bad, and they're willing to spend for that. That's what I've heard. I've heard good things about you know the new Pac-12 uh, deal, that television deal that's good that they'll get. Uh, just basic basically upgrading facilities from with money that like comes from that. They're they're looking to keep him around, and they really want to make sure. But his whole elevate or terminate thing really does worry me because you know where football where football is here right now is a place where you can elevate. And that, you know, it just seems like what the future holds. How do you mean by that? What do you what do you mean by that, Jimmy? Just facility wise, history wise. Um, there we have very nice facilities and things like that, but there are better ones out there, like you know, big dogs like Georgia and things like that. We just gotta get to a point where we establish a winning culture and things like that. And we need to win him over. He likes Boulder a lot, but you're right, he might, I'm pretty sure he likes yeah. Florida State just a bit more. But I think I think somebody said on the chat, and I agree with this, that they're that that we're pretty we're not as far away from the elite facilities as you think. I mean, we don't have what Oregon has, but we don't have a sugar daddy. But our facilities can compete with any around the country, you know. And um, you know where 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 Prime is coming from. What we look, what we have, looks amazing. Where Tucker was coming from, it looks like well, that's what we had there. It's no big deal, right? But our facilities are what what they were you know what what they match up with everybody else around the country pretty well and and you start winning here i mean forty two thousand of us idiots showed up to watch this crap team i mean what's going to happen in boulder when we start to win right yep and i have heard money is rolling in out the was it's crazy how much money is rolling in i've heard that you know, season ticket, the wait list is out the door. It is very long. People are dying to get in and spend money, which is great to hear. Uh, just, you know, finally get some recognition and maybe we can maybe just maybe get a new press box. And, and, and I also, I also, it, 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 it you know, the, it means a lot to recruits too, because who they see on sports center and, and things like that gets into their heads. Sorry, Adam, go ahead. 
Just to finish up with Max Buff's question, we don't know about open practices yet, but one thing I'll add there is that we've heard that Coach Prime wants to do kind of an off-the-record deal with the media to get to know us a little bit better, which is something that only Mel Tucker has ever done in, in my time on the beat there. You know, most of these head coaches, they deal with the media uh, and they, once that obligation's done, they're out of there. You know, Carl Durrell, respect him as a human being, but he hated dealing with the media. Uh, he would show up for his radio show right when they were about to go on the air with Mark Johnson. And, and Mark Johnson is like, you know, you can come here early. There's boosters here. You know, you can shake a few hands and, and that would be a good thing for the program. And he was not interested in doing that. So I think coach prime is going to be good from that side of things, but uh, you better not cross, cross the guy, you know, uh, Tim McCarver is the, uh, the most famous example of that. If you've ever watched the 30 for 30 documentary or remember that from, from back in the day, uh, when he was, uh, playing in the world series with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, so, uh, this is a, a tightrope I'm going to be walking here with trying to be, uh, you know, giving my opinion and not being a shill for CU while also trying to stay on Coach Prime's good side. And, and you're going to take in turns, uh, Jimmy and Max, to that uh, off the get to know you thing, right? Yeah, I agree. We should be involved in this. <laughs> the The invite got lost in the mail, guys. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's what I figured. <laughs> um, question wise, uh, Brett is asking a topic question. Right. I like it. Yeah, you know, big fan. Can, can you guys hear me? Yep. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yes. Okay. Hey, uh, thank you, thanks, you guys, for uh, putting this on, letting this come on. Um, the question I had is, I was just kind of curious if you had heard anything. You know, obviously, you're not going to know specifics, but just on what kind of numbers we might be seeing that have come into, like the, for example, the Bus for Life NIL Collective, or, or I know. Um, there's another one that just recently got got up and going, but I was just curious if you guys heard anything on, on what those numbers might be looking like. That's a good question, Brett. I have not heard. I, I, that is kind of a, a private deal. Now, what's typically the case with this is some of those numbers, uh, you know, you, you'll hear some rumors as things go a little bit further along. We know that Jordan Tyson uh, got an NIL payout already. Um, I love that it, it's pretty specific. They're letting fans kind of dictate where their money goes. And we've got multiple collectives now. And with the energy that Coach Prime's brought in, I'd imagine that it's quite, it's going to look a whole lot different than it ever did at CU since his NIL started. But it's still not going to be, even with the excitement of Coach Prime, what some of these SEC programs are able to do. That's just the reality of things. There's just not the the money in the CU booster base, but the folks that do have money have been stepping up. As we saw, Jimmy, you were there on Sunday. I mean, that was a packed house with buff club. It was almost kind of like, it was kind of bizarre because you're used to a press conference setting where it's quiet. And it was like, there was a laugh track going on behind you the whole time. Uh, it said, it said a good scene, but it was, uh, it was definitely different than what we're used to. I will say uh, I did I did run into uh, what was sorry Matt McChesney is that what we were talking about earlier? That guy's huge. <laughs> that might be the biggest person I've ever seen. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a lot of fun. I saw you know like Jeremy Bloom was there. I didn't even recognize him at first. I mean, 
granted I wasn't around when he was, you know, popping off and things like that. But uh, it was, yeah, like you said, a laugh track and there was a crowd chanting, I think, you know, chanting everything he said, pretty much the guy next to me, I think was tearing up when (laughs) he was talking. Um, I think one of the things about the uh, press conference that I noticed, it was weird. The, The relationship between Rick George and prime is pretty interesting. It looked like Rick George was mouthing everything prime was saying. I don't know if that was like a like a nervous tick that he had something going on. If you go back and look, he was muttering something the entire time and he would stop when he stopped. And it looked like they were saying the same words. I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. They just have that that chemistry, Jimmy. No kidding. Maybe, you know, maybe, that connection. Uh, maybe, maybe Rick is a speech writer. <laughs> I don't know how he'd write that. The things he was saying was crazy. For some reason, that reminds me. That takes me way back to the mid, mid-80s and being down crash field. And Rick George, you know, a young Rick George and a young me and a young everybody else pulls up in, in a some kind of a station band or something like that. And, and he put down the back end. He goes, hey, hey, got this. What? He brings that. He gets out a suitcase. We're like, what's that? He's like, it's a telephone. And we're like, what? No, man, that can't. And he opens it up. For sure as hell, there's a telephone. It's like a big ass suitcase. And it's got a, you know, and, and he calls over right there from the practice field. And we thought that was the craziest we'd ever seen. <laughs> like 1980 or 87 we just saw in the chat from bing and and looked over to twitter here on my other monitor and uh edward schultz a receiver from mission viejo california has joined the list of decommitments uh was expecting that one that was one that i had heard was not going to be honored by the new staff uh not a surprise at all he was kind of new to playing receiver in coach McGagan saw a lot of potential there. He transferred to mission Viejo and uh, didn't really put up the numbers that, that some folks were hoping. Uh, so hopefully he finds a good home out there, but he's not going to be part of the buffs going forward. Um, one question from the chat. Um, how far do you know were negotiations for the second choice uh, head coaching wise? How quickly do you think it could have been done if Sanders wasn't signed? <laughs> So when I reported uh, the day before Thanksgiving uh, about Colorado putting forth th- that big offer towards Coach Prime, the way I understood it was that uh, they kind of put feelers out and maybe put some potential offers together for their other two candidates. But I don't believe those ever went out. Uh, and, and there was some discussion with Brocko Mendenhall before the coach prime stuff really started picking up steam. I have yet to hear from a really good source that an actual offer went out to anybody else, but they were, they were definitely having contingency plans just because you'd have to, especially with somebody of the stature of coach prime, you know, Auburn didn't reach out to him, but had they, would that have changed things? So if you're Rick George, obviously you've got to have, have a plan B, but you know, fortunately for, for the Buffaloes, they never had to go down that route. Jacob well, Pauly has a question. Yeah, just just real quick. Some somebody I think put on the board yesterday or today something that really hit me in the eye. He's like, imagine if we'd have hired Bronco Mendenhall and we're watching this happen, somebody else. And how how I I I, I was like, Jesus, I just would cry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's a, Jacob. He's a good he's a good football coach too. You know, the crazy thing is. Oh, yeah. CU, yeah. CU fans would have loved that hire back in February of 2020. But mm. yeah, for sure. Fo- following the Carl Durrell era with his lack of personality, 
everybody was just so starved for an electric personality. And I think that also played into right. just the excitement over Sunday. Folks would have been over the moon with Deion Sanders being in the same room as them, no matter what. But I think that kind of elevated e- even more was just kind of, we were getting this energy from the head coach that we weren't able to get the, the previous three years. Right. He was preaching. All right, Jacob. You guys can hear me okay? Yep. Cool. Thanks so much for putting this together. Really pumped. We've got exciting times ahead. Um, someone posted on the board a page that says portal slow. And I want to ask a question regarding that. What do you guys expect for the timing of hearing about commitments from the transfer portal? I think some of those JSU kids we should hear shortly after their last game. But what about those other kids in the portal? As well as what are your expectations for the recruits that we can get in the portal? How many five stars, four stars, three stars, et cetera? Yeah, good question, Jacob. And actually, we had a question from Buff in D.C. that they'll kind of want to know about that that timeline regarding the other JSU transfers that are expected because uh, Coach Prime, when meeting with with the team, kind of hinted that there's going to be about 10 guys uh, coming with him from Jackson State to Boulder. yeah, they're the, you know they're going to play in the Celebration Bowl on the seventeenth, and so I, I doubt you're going to see much movement until after that point. And I would think it's going to come pretty fast and, and furious after the seventeenth, and then the spring semester. Jimmy, you can fill us in on this. It's usually in in early January. I'd imagine that's the the case again this year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would imagine. Just yeah. So if from, I would say, December 17th on to the start of the spring semester, I think you're probably going to see a lot of commitments come in during that time period. Now, they could get some earlier. Receiver Jimmy Horn Jr. is a four-star transfer on 24-7 sports, caught 67 balls as an underclassman at USF. Uh, he's coming out on an official visit to Boulder this weekend, and he's coming out with one of his former 7-on-7 seven seven teammates at 2023 prep receiver, Assad Wasim. Uh, based on what, what I've heard out of that, those guys could be on the commitment list after this weekend. And we're recording this Tuesday. I got the date right this time. Uh, <laughs> I think in the next couple of days, you're going to see a lot more additional visitors added onto this weekend. And uh, I would imagine some of them will be transfers. But really, with the Jackson State guys, uh, I would imagine that week following the celebration bowl is when a lot of that's going to go down. Adam, do you know anything about the six of how they're doing this? Do they have a coach that's going to stay here in Boulder? Is anybody going to be here? Uh, are, are there guys that are already going to just be here all the time and, and on staff or how they're going to split that up between preparing Jackson state and doing this? Yeah. Well, as we're starting to see this coaching staff, take form and it's still there's still some pieces that need to be figured out here it looks like it's going to be pretty 50 50 in terms of guys that are going to be coming from jackson state versus the guys that are going to be uh coming from from other locations you know sean lewis obviously as the offensive coordinator the guys that aren't coaching right now i'd imagine will be in the champion center recruiting whereas uh you know tim brewster andre hart kevin mathis um those guys are going to be, I would imagine, going back and, and helping with the preparation to, to get Jackson State ready for that bowl game. All right. L.A. Buff has a question. 
Uh, hey guys, uh, first of all, Adam, thank you so much for everything that you do. And uh, thanks to the guys on the board for the hilarity of the last few weeks. It's been quite a ride. I guess when I think about this search for me, and forgive me if you guys talked about it earlier, I, I, I have to step away for a minute, but the the unsung hero of this whole scenario, I think, is Todd Solomon. And so my question is, have you gotten any insight as to kind of how much leverage or, or, or kind of how that all went down between he and what we perceive to be the kind of the roadblock and, and Phil was and, and, and kind of how that came about and how quickly that came about? Yeah, that's a great point there. You're right. Todd Solomon needs to be mentioned here. It, it's It kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened when Bruce Benson was the president at Colorado. At one time, he put Colorado football in a really tough spot, in a big hole, when he told Mike Bone that you cannot fire Dan Hawkins. I've got to go in front of state legislature and lobby for money. We can't afford to, to buy out another coach right, right now. So Dan Hawkins is going to be here for another year. And Colorado basically couldn't recruit for a year and a half because they had a lame duck coach. Well, it, it took the program then under John Embry to get so bad and so pathetic that you know, guys like Bruce Benson, the, you know, president of a university, they don't, they, they want the athletic director to handle that. They don't want that to be part of their day to day, but when the program gets as bad as CU did leading up to that 2012 season, which is pretty co comparable to what we just witnessed, uh, you get email writing campaigns. And every time Bruce Benson goes out in public, he has people getting in his face saying, you got to fix the football program. Those guys don't like that. They, they don't, they don't want to have to deal with that. Kazuntite William. Uh, so that was maybe the one silver lining in terms of Colorado being as bad as they were this season, going one and 11, if they were five and seven, is Todd Solomon getting those same emails, that same, you know, frustration from folks when he goes out in public, probably not, you know, it took people not feeling like they can put on their CU shirt and go to the grocery store without feeling ashamed of it. You know, the people are going to crack jokes at them. That's how bad CU football got here in, in recent months. And so I think that was part of it, but, you know, kudos to him for, mm -hmm. for stepping up and not having all that frustration directed at him and, and then just getting you know mad at, at the, the fans, but actually going, okay, you know, I've got to do something here. And uh, he's definitely played a big role it's hard to know where you put the credit in terms of percentage, in terms of getting some of the academic, the, the pilot program off the ground to allow Coach Prime now going forward to, to bring in more transfers. Uh, based on history, I'd imagine Phil DiStefano probably doesn't get much of the credit there, but that's just pure speculation. I mean, he had to at some point get on board to, to go along with this. Uh, maybe he felt embarrassed at that October 3rd press conference when uh, he was asked by Brian Howell about it. And he didn't really know how to answer it. In fact, was talking about junior colleges, which was, uh, you know, something maybe 10 years ago, you you would have said <laughs> as a, as an issue at CU. So he really showed himself to be way behind the times out of touch. Uh, and so I think that kind of forced him to maybe play ball a little bit here as well. But uh, thanks for bringing up the, the president who definitely had a, a role in this. Uh, along with Rick George bringing Coach Prime to Boulder. 
just to add to that, I did get to meet the president in this press conference. I will say I have, you know, I worked with the sports and information department. He's had a lot of events, not just football games. He's at, you know, women's basketball games. He's at volleyball games. He's at basketball games. He he does care. I know that's the definitely the vibe I've gotten off of him, that he does care about our athletics department. He can recognize the uh, importance for that. The vibe that I got from Rick George himself is that a lot of the regents played a large role in that. And like you said, I <laughs> just off Twitter alone, people were being awfully uh, pressure, pressure, uh, putting pressure on those regions to get some done change wise. Um, well, Stan, someone had, uh, had a role in that as well. They folks were out there <laughs> organizing email campaigns and yeah, not that uh, President Solomon is is himself reading every email, but he's having to deal with it, you know, through his secretary, I'm sure. Um, one question from the chat uh, on how coach Sanders will handle, uh, handle public practices or uh, just public access to practices and things like that. We're not sure. Yeah. That, that's a question when getting an opportunity. I mean, at this point I've asked uh, coach prime one question at a press conference and, and that's <laughs> been the extent of my interaction because uh, obviously not only is he trying to retool CU's program, but he's, you know, having to keep one foot down over there in Jackson State to make sure those guys are staying focused. So uh, don't know yet, but but hopefully we'll definitely have a good sense for that, I would imagine, before spring ball starts. All right. And Greg has a question. Greg, you can unmute. Yeah. Can you hear me OK? Yep. Sweet. Hey, Adam, thanks for everything you're doing. I uh, appreciate it. Um, Really was curious to hear. We talked to, I don't know, 10 minutes ago about Curtis and Dave Platty retiring and love to hear your thoughts on how that's with that shift in Curtis running the show, uh, no pun intended, but how will that change for you and Brian and others um, based on what you know of Curtis? How will that open things up with maybe more press conferences, more off the record time? I remember years ago, you were talking about how you would have like off the record lunches with coaches to get to know them and and get more inside info for the future when it's relevant um, by obviously not sourcing names, of course, but I'm um, just getting a sense of how you see that changing since it's too soon to tell how this new coaching staff is going to um, embrace the media. Yeah. Good question, Greg. Honestly, Curtis has been kind of our, our main boots on the ground guy from the sports information department. Uh, you know, David is obviously there in the press box in, in, in recent years and does the game notes and coordinates credentials and all that stuff. But in terms of coordinating our access uh, with the coach day to day, that that's been Curtis. So I wouldn't imagine a, a whole lot's going to change as far as that goes, but like we talked about earlier, it's a little bit of a different deal now with coach prime having his own people. And so I don't even know if Curtis and the SID folks fully know what this is going to look like going forward, just because coach prime has his guys, like I said, and, and I've heard that, you know, they're probably going to have, uh, you know, be setting up the national interviews, like the Jim Rome's of the world and things like that. So uh, it's going to be different, but I don't think we know exactly the extent of how different it's going to be quite yet. But in terms of Curtis, he's been a rock star for, for years there. And so uh, it shouldn't be much of a change for, from our day-to-day -day standpoint. You know, when the when Platy had his last game here, uh, he had those three big cakes. They all had his face on them. Adam, did you get a piece? I did. <laughs> I made sure to get a piece right of his face. 
<laughs> All right, uh, Vance, you got a question. Oh, hey guys. What's up, Vance? Hey, Adam. Good, uh, good to see you, William and uh, Jimmy. Adam is going to work you like a dog. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, but uh, William, uh, ideally, what would be uh, for Christmas? What would you like to see, or whom would you like to see on the offensive and defensive lines for our team? Well, you mean as far as incoming, probably like transfers and and high school guys. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's too early to say. I, I think uh, somebody, and, and I'll use this segue to somebody else had a question that I think um, is saying thing like, is there concern about the availability of offensive defensive linemen in the transfer portal? And I would say not so far because uh, we're kind of joking on the board today that we could build our inner offensive and defensive line just from the guys leaving Alabama and Texas A&M. Um, so certainly the kinds of guys I'd be looking at, I, I know at this point what, what kind of guys coach prime has connects to, but those four, uh, four star kind of guys as transfers coming out of place like that, looking for a new home, um, would certainly be on the top of the list. And I don't know, you know, who else he's going to identify in terms of high school players. Um, but, uh, I think we're going to be looking at some, I'd like to, I'd like to ideally see some four-star level guys or some guys. What we need on the defensive side is instant help. So we need some of those guys like, like the, the variety of defensive linemen that are leaving Texas A&M right now. And I don't know how realistic it is to, to get any of those guys, but we need starters on the defensive line right now and an upgrade for what we had even last year uh, and, and, and a, quite a few bodies because look at the, at the roster right now. I don't know. We maybe have, I, I don't know what Jalen is going to do, but we maybe have three or four defensive linemen on there. And, and I'm not sure most of them are powerful levels. So I can't really give you names. I want to see uh, who gets traction with us. And, you know, we see all these guys pop in the portal uh, already that I think are excellent offensive and offensive linemen. Um, but I want to switch one showing interest in us, like Adam saying that, you know, start seeing them want to take visits here and things like that, then we're going to have a better idea. Uh, but I'm also kind of curious to wait and see once coach prime starts to have a chance to sit down and start calling these guys on the phone. Um, he's got to have figured out by now that, um, in addition to quarterback and maybe safety defensive line is the, the, the key thing that he's got to bring in here. So it will be interesting to see who starts showing interest in us in the next week or so along, along those lines. But I would say, take a look at transfer portal and, and, you know, look at, look at all those defensive linemen that went to the portal from Texas A&M today. That's what I'm looking for. If you, if you want to know what's what, what I want under the tree as a whole raft of big linemen from Alabama and Texas A&M. Um, one person in the chat was asking about what we can expect from the, the assistant head coaches. Uh, a few names have already come out, said that they're signing. Have we heard anything else about any other assistants? I think at this point, um, we know that Tim Brewster, obviously he's been out recruiting uh, tight ends coach. Uh, Kevin Mathis is going to be a defensive backs coach. Andre Hart's going to be a linebackers coach. Nick Williams comes over from Texas A&M. He's expected to coach the defensive line. I think Gary Harrell is probably going to coach the the running backs, but we haven't gotten word on that for sure. Um, who else am I not mentioning here? David Kelly's been rumored to be 
uh, defensive coordinator. I haven't been able to get uh, solid info on the DC search at this point. And now uh, Jim Leonard's available from, from Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, why not? Right. The way things are trending with this program right now. Do we know if uh, Armand Hawkins will be retained? He is uh, still on staff from, from what I understand. Uh, But uh, they haven't, you know, talked about 2023. I don't think. Um, one um, person was asking about uh, the relationship between Prime and George going back to these baseball days. Do you have any information on what their relationship, how far that goes back? I saw the message board post about that. Uh, the way that Rick was talking about it, though, it didn't seem like they knew each other a ton before this coaching search started. It, I mean, that based on everything that Rick and Coach Prime said during the press conference, I can do a little deeper dive on that. But uh, isn't that the the takeaway you guys got from – it was more like maybe they knew of each other or had met, but, I mean, they weren't close before this coaching yeah, search started. Like they encountered each other at some sort – at various baseball events and stuff, and and but, but that it always went well when they did. I was also kind of curious, you know um, – Rick George, our recruiting coordinator through the mid 80s and, and into the, into those great years in the 90s. And that's when uh, Prime was being recruited, you know, out of Florida. I, I wonder if they ever crossed paths when he was in that role. I don't think CU at that point, you know, would have been later on after after Prime graduated in 88 that we really became a draw for, for his level of player. But I've been curious to me if they if they crossed paths. And Tim Brewster, yeah, Tim Brewster, who I mentioned is going to be on Colorado staff and Rick George actually played together at Illinois for a year. And so they had known each other from back then. Uh, So just interesting how some of these connections, uh, you know, come back around. Do people in the chat, you know, football, college football is kind of a small world, you know, and, and, you know, you, which is kind of surprising that, you know, well, I guess it's not surprising that, that Carl had such a hard time finding staff because he wasn't in that world. He was in the NFL world and it's really a very different world and, and, and everybody kind of crosses the same sorts of paths if they're at the same levels across, you know, decades. There is a few questions in the chat, just asking about the new program that's uh, making it easier to transfer into Colorado. Do you know how to, if you could explain that for him real quick? Well, it's pretty complex, but to try to kind of shorten the explanation on it is when there wasn't this one-time transfer exemption, it wasn't as big an issue at CU because they would have a year before that player would be you know, eligible to play to get them caught up on the credits that they needed. But now guys transfer in and they want to play right away. They expect to play right away. And so uh, these credits just were not transferring over to Colorado. I had reported that, you know, it was about half of the guys that they evaluated in the portal from October of 2021 through June of 2023 or, or October of 2021 to June of 2022, uh, about half of those guys just flat out could not transfer to Colorado. And then there was about another 20 to 23% of those guys that would have had to do a little bit more academic work or there would have been some type of academic barrier. So you're talking about 80% roughly of guys in the transfer portal they couldn't bring in. We don't know exactly what that percentage is going to look like now, but 
the way that it's been explained to us is that uh, the pool of you know transfers that coach prime can go after is massive and it's not going to be this hindrance anymore. And I am curious to kind of find out in whether it's three months from now, maybe after they've kind of gone through this transfer cycle of, okay, is there still a sizable percentage of guys that that you can't go after or has this pilot program shrunk that down to a level where it's not much of an issue? I think maybe even CU brass doesn't quite know at this point, because you've, you're going to have to go through this process of eva- evaluating all these transcripts and, and trying to fit it in through this pilot program. Um, David Palmer's asking, what's the over under what you're thinking of amount of players that were on the team last year that are going to be on the team this year. Over under of guys that will be back that were on the team last year. Mm-hmm. They're on the previous season. Uh, set it at 42 and a half. Oh, what do you okay. think? <laughs> I was going to say 30. <laughs> yeah. The way things have been trending uh, the last few days, William, you, you're probably close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think, I think I would, somebody asked a question on one of the, either the Q or the, or, um, uh, chat, what uh, we expect to see more things happen after spring ball, and I would say absolutely because I don't think I don't think some of these guys that are going to stay that are, you know, quote unquote staying. I don't know know if we like like you said we're going to try and make you quit. How many of those that are that are kept around will still be here after spring ball? I don't know. You know, it remains to be seen. Somebody asked a question on on the chat. Do I think that Tank will fit in well with the new coaching staff? I don't know. You know. Uh, these kids have not been challenged in that way yet. And we will see, we'll, we'll see who, uh, has a stomach for it and who doesn't, but we won't know that right now. Um, someone was asking, uh, do you know how coach prime is running things at CU while he's back in Jackson? Is there any interaction between the two staffs or between, between him, I guess, and the CU staff right now? Well, the thing is with CU's players, I mean, this is pretty much their short off season, right? So uh, obviously they're tasked with doing some workouts, but for him, it's really about recruiting right now. And it's about burning the, you know, burning the the candle on both ends because he's going to be coaching those guys, but he's also going to be recruiting when he's not coaching. And you can coach to Colorado from, you know, Jackson with technology. So uh, it's going to be more challenging to do the in-home visits, but uh, really it's it, for him right now, it's about recruiting. And then uh, he'll be back this weekend for those visitors. So I guess on the weekends, to, you know, he's going to be uh, making use of that private jet basically and, and having to uh, sleep very little, even less than, than me here the coming weeks. I feel Coach Prime was, or he pretty much cleaned the slate uh, coaching wise, assistant uh, head coaching or assistant coaching wise. Do you feel like there's anyone that you would have liked to see him kept? I thought Rod Chance did a pretty good group with the the corners this year. That was a, a young group, and I felt like that was one of the few you know points on the team that you'd say they're playing pretty solid football as a unit. Um, and then I thought Kyle Devan did a pretty darn good job. If you gave Kyle Devan some of these recruits that Coach Prime is going to bring in, I think he could put together a really nice O-line. But uh, I'm, I'm really not yeah, surprised, honestly, that he came in and and kind of wanted a, a you know blank slate. 
Yeah, I think I think just to expand on that, you know, there's the rumors that made um, Sean Lewis brings Bill Oil from Kent State. Well, I think I I think I take Kyle Devine for Bill Oil, but you know, this obviously not be my choice. Like uh, he did a good job. I guess my question mark about Ann that's still out there is um, his bona fides as a recruiter. Um, and quite clearly, you're going to be a recruiter if you're on Coach Prime staff. I personally, uh, I mean, I really liked Mike Sanford. If he, wish they could have found a role for him somewhere. Uh, but I, I mean, I understand him not having a spot. I liked Phil McGagan a lot. Um, I liked what just the kind of aura he had around him. I liked what he did with the team. Uh, but yeah, clearly, I mean, this needed to happen. Uh, just, just the way things go. Um, it, is kind of, it is kind of a bummer that Mike Sanford's not going to be around. Uh, I don't know how we would have made it through the last seven weeks of this season, honestly, if uh, he wasn't in that seat because he made you kind of forget exactly how bad the program was in terms of where, you know, what they were putting out there on Saturdays. And in that Cal Saturday, you just try to block out as much of the rest of the 2022 season. Uh, that was a, that was a pretty fun day. Yeah. Definitely the most think, fun you know, I'd had. Yeah. You know, people criticizing him because he played everybody against Utah. Who cares? We weren't going to win the damn game. It was going to be his last game, and, and he's doing something for those kids. It's not as if he's going to be there and he's, everybody is going to play and get a juice box, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. You know what? It was a nice gesture in a final game, quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned. Is there anybody on y'all's uh, Buffs defensive coordinator wish list? Yeah, Leonard, bring him in. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you uh, say? Jim Leonard. He's uh, he just announced on Twitter that he's not going to be back at Wisconsin after the bowl game. Oh. All right. Uh, spring game attendance over under. I remember spring game was my first experience. You know, working with Adam and things like that. There's maybe a couple hundred people in the fans. I think there was like, I don't even remember. There's not a lot, but there's got to be a lot here, right? I don't think you're going to sell out Folsom Field, but it might actually get pretty close, don't you think? It's got to be a lot of people. I know people oh, are pretty I excited. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen that. So, you know, I, I mean, you would, well, I, I, I can't remember back to whether people came to, to spring game or in the, uh, you know, lower years and what have you, but uh, I don't know. Even even after 2016, we didn't have a lot of people there, so I, I don't know. I don't know, if William. Yeah, a, a few things there. there, a few things there. The fans going out in droves to spring games is something that's kind of evolved over the last 15 20 years, and uh, Colorado has sucked for the most of the last 15 20 years. Uh, they did have a really big right. recruiting class. Uh, following the 07 season, Dan Hawkins' second year, they went to the Independence Bowl, had the 15th-ranked recruiting class, and there was a pretty good show out for the spring game. Again, I don't think you're going to quite fill it up all the way, but just the excitement that we've seen building around here, looking at the page views on our side, our subscriptions are going up. Uh, you know, Brian and I do our analysis videos. It's already had 10 times more of the views than our, our you know, 
analysis videos were during the, the football season. So uh, the, the coach prime effect is real. And I, I think Folsom field is going to be a pretty cool atmosphere for the spring game for the first time, maybe in forever. Has uh, well, I would imagine that he make he, he does some things that are fun with it too. Just his personality would probably add to the sort of pageantry of it all. But somebody just posted on the chat, which I agree with, is that the athletic department needs to publicize a little bit and pump it up. I agree about that. It's always kind of a mystery. I, I mean, I remember not hearing much about it last year. They other than maybe an Instagram post or two. How excited are you guys about the offensive coordinator? What do y'all think about him? They actually got somebody that is capable of running an up-tempo system and doing that at Folsom. I mean, how long have we been waiting for a coach to actually be able to put that product on the field and have it be well-executed and efficient? And uh, I haven't, I didn't watch a ton of Kent State games, but I remember when I was getting ready to get uh, put together coaching hot boards that was Sean Lewis was not a name that would was really rumored, but I, you know, after the top four or five guys, you're just kind of throwing guys on there uh, that you think would be good coaches for this job. And he was on one of those lists because uh, the, the few times I would tune into Kent state, they, they were so much fun to watch offensively. It's going to be yeah. just a different offense than we've seen. Well, it'd be nice to see somebody that actually can knows how to coordinate an offense. You know, you, know, you use the word coordinator and people don't think about that a lot. And, and it really means exactly that. You don't just plays out of a hat. You're working from a system, right? And you call it now to set up a play in, in, in the third quarter and things like that. And you, and you have all kinds of things that you do. Um, we haven't seen an offensive coordinator. I don't think fans in Boulder remember what a real coordinator looks like quite frank, because we haven't one here here in so long. And, you know, it's been an experimental position for a few years with, with Everini and, you know, with Clayton and what have you. This guy is an offensive genius, and I think it's going to be very exciting. All right, Jimmy, we've gone for an hour and 40 minutes-ish at this point. Uh, let's wrap it up here pretty soon. Do you have one more question out there you want to throw out there? Um, Just any updates on the Nike deal? Have we heard anything if that's going to be an issue? What I heard is it's not going to be an issue. And uh, I was interested uh, to kind of see how that would play out. If you saw him turn his head at his press conference, there there was a swoosh on that hat. So uh, he was willing to kind of overlook his public beef with Nike uh, for for this opportunity. There is, I think, two more years with the Nike deal. And that actually goes up for negotiation in 2023. Don't know if that is something that's been been mentioned at all in terms of Rick and, and Coach Prime, and if that was any you know factor. Yeah, maybe some new unis. I heard he's you know looking to change the even the look of the team. So I've heard he's uh, talking about the cleats and things like that. It's like the cleats ain't going to be the same. So we'll see. I'm, I wouldn't mind a little change up as long as we steer away from the grays. I hated those gray uniforms. One of my takeaways from the video that his son put out on YouTube of them touring the facilities for the first time is when Coach Prime yeah, right. walked by the uniforms. You could yeah, just kind of tell by, based on his reaction that he was like, okay, we, we got to make a few tweaks here. <laughs> as, long, but, but, as long as we keep it out like of tradition. Yeah, he, he did like the Stormtrooper look a lot. He specifically <laughs> said that the whites were, were he liked those. All right. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, 
I'll let you finish there, William. You have something to add? Well, I, I, I was just going to say, uh, you know, I think, you know, there will always be some people that are mad if you if you change up the uniforms and the, and the traditions. But you know what? If you're winning eight and nine games a year, you can wear whatever you want. William, you made it past your bedtime, I think. So I'm proud of you. Uh, Jimmy, I appreciate your help for moderating this. I appreciate everybody that, that came in here. I think uh, we were around 150 for quite a while and uh, still a lot of people hanging in there till the end of this podcast. It, it was fun to get different questions, different perspectives here. We talked over each other a little bit, but that, that's just kind of uh, the nature of the beast when you're doing a, a call like this without much of a plan. But a lot of these questions we got are really good questions that uh, if I wasn't able to answer them tonight, uh, they're good thought to, to tr try to do a little digging here in the coming weeks. Uh, like I said, uh, everybody has more questions than I have answers at this point with the uh, limited amount we've been around coach prime, but it's uh, been a whirlwind ride since Saturday night, even before that, you know, during the coaching search. So uh, it's been pretty exciting and uh, excited to, you know, have Buff Nation kind of unify for the first time in a long time. William, I mean, there's really no disagreements now that that's going to come on the message board just naturally. But uh, this is as right. copacetic as, as things have been around here in a long time. Well, I, I've always wondered what it'd be like, you know, to to be on a board with a team that's really good winning all the time. You know, what would you fight about and what would the bickering be about and what have you? You know, it's like, you know, if you're if you're signing a bunch of four and five star guys, I mean, I, I know it's a it's a darn shame that uh, NYC schema has to uh, retire his gift about the diamonds in the rough. But, uh, you know, at, at least we won't have to fight about that anymore. Right. It, it'll yeah. be fun. It'll be fun when. Um, you know, we got a class and we got three or four three stars and we're like, yeah, these guys really belong, you know. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens when the program is very successful, how everybody gets along or if they don't. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Uh, and, and, and I guess just real quick, I, I, I've often wondered, do you feel like the dad of a big family in a station wagon on a long trip? To, don't make me pull this car over. <laughs> yeah, I love our family, but man, it's pretty dysfunctional sometimes. I, I got to pull that bus over every once in a while and yell in the back. <laughs> Take a switch to somebody. So this was a lot of fun. Jimmy, William, I appreciate you guys for hopping on here. Help me with this. Give us some feedback when we do one of these live podcast in the future what can we change to improve the experience for everybody uh should we do this more often should we never do it again give us some feedback on that appreciate everybody for tuning in and for sticking around and for the new folks that uh have become colorado fans since saturday night welcome aboard